On the show today, Rich and I discuss the death of basketball legend Bobby Knight, and in his honor, we drink a Hoosier Heritage. I'm your host, Brad Jackson. You're listening to the November 5th, 2023 edition of Coffee and Koshan. So, Rich, uh, celebrities tend to die in three is this the rule. And um, last week we talked about the death of Matthew Perry from Friends. And uh, shortly thereafter, uh, basketball legend Bobby Knight died. And um, the thing about Bob Knight is that he's a, let's say, controversial character. Um, Just a little. <laughs> a little. Um, he won several NCAA championships when he was coached at Indiana. He was there for almost 30 years. Uh, he was an institution. Um, he was college basketball uh, in the 80s and 90s. I mean, it, it was Bobby Knight. And um, he was famous for not only being successful, but also for his temper. And his temper was atrocious. Um, <laughs> but um, it's funny because, you know, it was a different era. These days, coaches have to, like, coddle and baby their stars. And if they don't like you, they can just hop in the transfer portal and go somewhere else. But back then, that that's not how it worked. And um, Bobby Knight was a master of sort of old school coaching. And uh, he would break you down to build you back up again, but he would always produce wonderful basketball players who went on to do great things in the NBA. And, and uh, he won a lot of championships. He was, um, he could be an acerbic person. Um, I saw him coach one time and, and only one time uh, when I was in high school, one of my uh, best friends, his older brother actually was a student at Indiana. He was a few years older than we were. And so we went to visit him for a weekend one uh, one year, and he took us to a basketball game. He's like, well, since you're here, we've got to go see Bobby Knight coach. You've got to see an Indiana basketball game. And we went. And I remember several things, but particularly we were in crappy student seat sections, like way up top. I remember looking down, and it's a very steep, at least that arena was. I'm not sure they're still playing the same one, but it was a very steep arena, so you felt like you were going to like fall onto the court. Um but the other thing was, it was one of those nights where Bobby, uh, where Bobby Knight lost his temper. He just lost it, and he threw a chair. I got to see the man throw a chair, and it was fucking awesome. <laughs> I remember afterwards, we were like, man, it was so great. We got to see him throw a chair. <laughs> and I can't tell you if they won or lost that game. I don't even remember who they played. Um, but we all remember him throwing that chair because he got so angry. Um, but uh, he was... He was a, a complicated figure, and I, I, it's sad to me that we can't celebrate those as much anymore uh, because everything today has to, you, you know, you have to be, you know, super good. You have to be an angel or whatever to get celebrated these days, and um, in reality, people are not angels. They're not demons either. They're, they're a mix of the two, and um, Bobby Knight was a perfect example of that. He was, by all accounts, if you if you knew him, he was a generous man to you. He was a nice person on a personal level. But when he was a coach, like he, he his goal was to win, and and what he did, what it took to do that. Um, but like he was always uh, generous to people. He was insistent that his players actually graduate. He did not let them cheat to get around those things. Something that a lot of other coaches did at the time. Um, and a lot of coaches didn't care if their players graduate, but but Bobby Knight wanted them to get an education so that if something happened, at least they had that 
to fall back on. And, and that's an admirable thing, um, particularly in sports, particularly today. Um, but one of my favorite quotes from Bobby Knight, <laughs> this is great. This is, this just sums him up in, in one, in one bit. Um, he said, when my time on earth is gone and my activities here have passed, I want, they bury me upside down so my critics can kiss my ass. <laughs> <laughs> and that was his quote <laughs> and that sums bobby knight up in in a nutshell there but um to me he was one of those figures when we were growing up those sports figures that when he would come on you you just couldn't change the channel you're like oh great all oh, right it's an indiana game i gotta watch this like like what are they gonna do what is bobby knight gonna do like like how are they going to turn this around? Like you know, it was it was he was enthralling. Like you just had to watch, much like like you know when it was a, a Jordan game or or something like that. Like you just had to watch it because you never knew what was going to happen. And uh, I think that's what made him special and what made him incredible. And I, I don't think we see a lot of those kind of people anymore today. And that's kind of sad. No, we don't. And to your point about. Uh, college coaches, particularly at the big programs, it's become an industry more so than a a way for student athletes to get an education uh, based on their athletic skill. Uh, I have an uncle who uh, coached at Columbia College in Missouri, which is not to be confused with University of Missouri, Columbia. Columbia College is a small private university, and he has... uh, I forget his win record, but it's like 80%, if not higher. He's, he's retired now. But that was one of the things that he pushed was, you're going to be a good person. I'm, you're not going to just come get away with anything because you can play basketball. You're going to come get your education. You're going to behave. You're going to be an upstanding citizen. And it, it's noteworthy because you know he just retired a couple of years ago but that he was able to get away with that in the modern age. But to the point you were making, it's it's because it's so rare. And had he ever tried to transition to a big program, that's one of the things he would have had to sacrifice, which is why he liked to just stay at Columbia College and coach there. And, uh, you know, back tonight, he donated lots of money to libraries at the universities he was affiliated with, you know, Indiana, and then after he was fired from Indiana, Texas Tech. And... It was never just about sports for him. He really was focused on the total academic life of students, the total academic life of the school, and was really passionate about that. And whereas we might remember him for throwing chairs, there was a lot more to him. Uh, You know, the chair throwing thing is just so, it's one of those things that everyone knew. Like I had a, 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 like a, eighth grade or seventh grade, somewhere in there, football coach who threw a chair across the locker room at one point. Everybody's like, (laughs) Bobby Knight. (laughs) And, uh, you know, our program was not one that uh, needed to have chairs thrown, particularly at that age range. But, you know, it was a different time when we were growing up and coaches could get away with more. And the other part about that is I want to quote from a, a piece by Joshua Claiborne, who is a writer and attorney from Indiana and uh, who I believe knew Knight. And he wrote at the Federalist, uh, Knight's life also serves as a counterpoint to the contemporary celebrity culture that increasingly infuses sports. Today, many athletes become brands. Their personas carefully cultivated to serve corporate interest. Coaches, too, often play along. Their confrontations and sound bites stage managed for maximum media effect. Against this backdrop, 
Knight stood as a defiant outlier. He had no interest in cultivating a palatable public image. He would not be commodified. This utter disregard for public relations made him a polarizing figure, but it also made him an authentic, an individual who refused to be anything but himself, regardless of the consequences. And the reason I quote that and the reason I think it's interesting is, you know, we've both worked in communications, you know, in jobs. It, there's this modern quest for authenticity with all these people trying to focus group and workshop and ways to present people as authentic, but it's never going to work because by definition, when you you do these things to try to create these personas, it's invariably going to come across as inauthentic. And the only way to be authentic is to be that dude who sometimes loses his shit and throws a chair across the room. And that's what Knight had and what we don't really have in the modern coaching world. And, and a reason that his death and, you know, previously his retirement is such a loss for basketball. You know what? That's a really good point because you're right. Uh, whether it's in politics or marketing or uh, branding or what have you these days, everyone's looking for authenticity. But they try and manufacture it, which is the exact opposite <laughs> of what authenticity is. And the thing about being an authentic human being, being a, a unique person like Bob Knight was, is that it's not easy. It's not always marketable. Um, it's not always easy to accept. Um, but he was authentic and he was unique. And God, I just loved that about him. Um, you mentioned Texas Tech. He did come to uh, Tech after he was fired at um, Indiana. And I think his son coached there for a little while after he had left um, as well. But he was he was around in Texas. And I remember he was at, uh, I think he was at a fundraiser that uh, someone I knew went to. And they got to meet him. And they said that um, in his old age and in retirement, he, he was incredibly nice. And he had tons of great stories. Um, and that you could just sit down and, and talk to the guy and just, he could tell stories for days. And, I, you know, it's funny to me because I don't think we, I don't think we do that enough. I don't think we listen enough in the modern era. Um, we definitely don't listen to, uh, each other because you can see how polarized everything has become, but we, we also don't listen to our elders, the people who have been there, done that and, and have some lessons. We don't do that anymore. Um, which I think is sad because we could avoid some of this crap. We could avoid avoid repeating history if we, did, you know, if we listened to these folks who have done this and uh, figured out how to get around it. And Bob Knight's one of those people that uh, I think you could have listened to for a long time and come away with a lot of great uh, lessons. I think he was just one of those individuals, and uh, I'm sad to see him go. Yes, and the the thing about him was you saw all the bad out in public. So it's not like there was some secret dark side waiting, you know, he let it out and got it out of his system. And to your point, when you look at the, the personal stories and the things about him as an individual off camera, when he wasn't on the court, he was just kind of a, a normal dude and a very opinionated one, but not, he, he wasn't just walking around in a constant rage. He just very passionate about basketball, not always in productive ways. Yes, that's true. <laughs> Uh, okay, so in honor of Bob Knight, we are having a drink you found uh, from the Indianapolis Star, their uh, paper there, called uh, the Hoosier Heritage. Talk to me about this. This sounds great. So it is a 
a, a whiskey cocktail made with Knob Creek. Uh, and, and then I forget. Let me let me look at this real quickly. The uh, maple syrup, lemon juice, apple yeah. cider, and rosemary. Yeah. So I was gonna. I, there's something to do with Knob Creek and Abraham Lincoln that I forgot, and I'm not seeing it. But so so what you do is you take a half ounce of maple syrup and a sprig of rosemary, and muddle that in a shaker, and get that you know rosemary fl- uh, really pushed into the uh, to the maple syrup. You add a half ounce of lemon juice, one and a half ounces of Knob Creek and then an ounce of apple cider, and then shake that very well. And then you want to double strain this. So I was using an elevated craft shaker, as you and I both use, which has large holes in the top. But because you've muddled the rosemary, some of that rosemary is going to get out. So I I poured through a uh, you know a regular like kitchen um, sieve or whatever you call it. The word's escaping me at the moment. But to make sure none of that... Uh, rosemary got into my glass and in the recipe it says to put it in an old-fashioned glass filled with ice i went with one large cube instead because i'd shaken it well the the dilution was where i wanted it and it is a a very fun fall drink it's a little bit on the sweet side but if you're looking for someone who's you know not a fan of more uh, booze forward cocktails it's a really good one to serve and the rosemary was an interesting addition but it just added you know a little bit of subtle uh, undertones to the cocktail it didn't take it over and just was really a delicious drink and so you know props to uh, Jason Faust the bartender in Indiana, Indiana who came up with this I, I got to say, I love this. One of my favorite things to add to fall drinks is apple cider um, because nothing says fall like apple cider. And if you want to make a cocktail that has a bit of fall flair, um, something like that is a great addition um, because it gives it a great fall flavor, but it doesn't like overpower what you what you have it with, like the Knob Creek in this sense. Um, but the other thing that I think is great with this is the rosemary. I think that is such a great touch. I love having uh, big herbs like this on a cocktail from time to time. And uh, I think the rosemary here is just a wonderful touch. Yes. Now, I did almost screw this up because when I went to buy apple cider, I uh, almost accidentally picked up the uh, pumpkin spice apple cider. And not to get into a (laughs) battle about pumpkin spice, not really my favorite. And I do not think this cocktail would have turned out well had I added all those warm baking spices and stuff to it. I mean, maybe it would have been great, but I was glad that I uh, caught my almost mistake and left the store with the plain apple cider instead of the pumpkin spice. (laughs) Yeah, I'm with you on that one. I don't want, uh, I don't want pumpkin spice near my cocktails. (laughs) (laughs) No, you know, not to derail, but you know, we've had all these battles for years over pumpkin spice and you know, whatever floats your boat, but it seems to be coming back with a weird vengeance and inserting itself into lots of places it shouldn't be. Like I, I saw a thing on Instagram the other day where this guy had gotten some uh, some pumpkin spice bacon jerky. And it's just like, no, oh. <laughs> no. There's just no reason for that. Don't pollute bacon with pumpkin spice. Come no. on. Oh, and, no. And I'm no kind of bacon purist, you know, candied bacon, whatever, but just leave the pumpkin spice away. Oh. See, see, they're not listening to Bob Knight. Right. That's what's going on here. Um, all right. Well, uh, hopefully next week we don't have a celebrity die that is worth talking about. Hopefully it, it's a little more positive show. But uh, there you go. A little brief history on uh, Bob Knight 
who I thoroughly encourage you to go read about. He's a fascinating figure. Um, and this great drink that you can have while you're uh, while you're catching up on Bob Knight. Uh, as always, Rich, thanks so much. Hey, thank you, Brad.